Welcome, Suns fans, to another episode of the Suns Jam Session Podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. I'm your host, John, and I'm joined by my cohorts, my, my cohort, my, I said cohort and co-host at the same time, but that's <laughs> you, Matthew. Matthew Lissy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited. It's a great day. Uh, we're, we're starting with the Suns going back to Orlando, and, and it's, it's all happening, you know? It's, um, it's super exciting to kind of finally have some things to talk about other than uh-huh. like my, my top three uh, Suns role <laughs> players of all time. So yes. plenty to cover on this episode. <laughs> Looking forward to just kind of hearing what your thoughts are on some of these things that we're going to be talking about. Uh, but before we get into all that, you know, I got to, I got to throw all the plugs out there. You know, you can follow this, the show at Suns Jam on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow our Facebook page. You can visit sunsjamsession.com. And that's kind of a one-stop shop for everything that is Suns Jam Session Podcast. That's all I got. I want to pop open this beer like as soon as I can and talk to you about everything that's going on. So let's do it. You ready for this? Hold on. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. That's a real beer. Yes, it is. Well, not really. It's Guilt Lifter. Yeah, you can can train those all day. You don't feel anything. 3.4% ABV, 99 calories, 0% taste. Good stuff. But here we go. Let's talk some Suns, baby. All right, it's official, Matthew. The team has finally departed for Orlando. And as Kelly Oubre said on Twitter, Orlando's going to be so nostalgic, recording my whole experience. Mm-hmm. Wheels up. So yes. the wheels are finally up. The team <laughs> is headed to Orlando. Tell me how excited you are for this. Yeah, I'm excited. They should be there by now. I think I saw a picture that Booker posted that they arrived in Disney World. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love nothing more than the behind-the-scenes stuff. So Kelly Oubre recording the whole experience that's just a cherry on the Sunday for me for this whole experience because I want to see what happens behind the scenes if they can release anything that he records I would love to see it especially if he's not playing I know that's kind of up in the air again for some reason right now but yeah. if he's not playing I want him to be recording the whole experience the whole time I think that's an interesting point because the majority of what's going to be occurring there seen as the players are going to be isolated and living in the Orlando bubble, the island of Orlando, they're not going to have a lot of opportunity to go out and do things. Mm -hmm. So if you follow any of these guys on social media, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, any of these outlets, they're probably going to be posting a lot of stuff for us to view and kind of have insight into what that experience looks like, right? Yeah, no, you're totally right. And it's up, for, it's up to them really to keep themselves busy and keep themselves active. That way they don't go crazy uh, because they'll be away from their families. And that's a huge thing. It didn't really hit me until today. I was watching um, a show on Netflix. It's called Alone. So it's these guys, guys and girls put on an island and basically they have to survive by themselves. Whoever wins or whoever lasts the longest wins about a half a million bucks. Some guy was all set up, had all the meat in the world, everything for the, the next two weeks, the shelter and all that. But he left because he missed his family. He couldn't sit there Aww. and he couldn't stand the, the, the pain and all that from missing his family. So he left and he gave up a half a mil for that. So 
is that a weird, wow, <laughs> that's a weird way a for mil. me. Yeah. That's a weird way for me to actually think about it. Cause I, first of all, I was like, these guys, you know, they'll find something to do and there's no reason for them to complain about there's nothing to do, but maybe there is. And maybe they just really will miss their family and friends. Yeah. I didn't think of it really in those terms. That sounds like an interesting show. Is it like naked? Do, do they at least have their clothes or is it like naked yeah. and afraid? No, they, they like, they can bring one tool and like one picture, but they're all experienced. Yeah. They're all experienced. So it's not like naked and afraid where they, they think they can do it because they can skateboard. Like these people actually <laughs> are trained. These are, these are trained professionals and they go out there and they try to outlast each other. And they're not, I don't know if it's an Island. It's usually just some part of some uh, country. Uh, this one's, I think the Atlantic. I don't even know if that makes sense, but that's what I wow! Think right in the middle of the ocean. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you get a raft, a picture, and a tool. <laughs> no, not the Atlantic. Uh, Antarctica. Excuse me. In the cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh my gosh! Alone. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> not in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's super. That's I actually might give that a watch because I like Naked and Afraid. I really enjoyed watching for a long time because I like the uh, survivalist shows. I used to watch Survivor Man mm-hmm. and whatever the Bill Bear Grylls uh, show was. Yeah, that was like, it. I think. Yeah. No, nah, he he wasn't Survivor Man. He was somebody else. Oh, There's okay. two, two different guys, but once he started like eating poop and drinking pee, I was like, okay, I'm over this. Uh-huh. And then naked and afraid, I kind of got over it. I'm like, all right, I'm tired of just like seeing naked bodies, like butt, it's, it's <laughs> oh, like butt, yeah. butts, butts everywhere. Yeah. So <laughs> alone sounds part. interesting, but, yeah. but I think that's an interesting thing that we haven't really talked uh-huh. about and, and people have, but we haven't talked about it is the true sense of loneliness. Cause I was reading today kind of what's the game plan and on when they arrive. And James Jones was talking about it on a call that he had uh, with the media earlier this week. He had it on Monday. He says those first five days are going to be tough. And once they get settled in and back on the court as a team for the first time in four months, that's when they're going to settle into some sort of routine. But when they first get there, they have to go to their rooms. And they can't go hang out with anybody. They have to have two more negative tests before they can even interact with anybody else. So Devin Booker posting on Snapchat that, you know, Pluto – that's what he took the picture of was yeah. Pluto the dog from Disney kind of announcing to the world like, hey, I'm in Orlando now. They are going to go into that alone, like really self-isolation in a, a tiny little room. It's one thing when Devin Booker's sitting in his mansion and he's ha- he can have some friends over here and there where he's cruising through Paradise Valley with Kendall Jenner with the top down on like a 60 Chevy, which everybody yeah. made a big deal about. And I'm like, the only big deal there is the fact that it was 110 that day, like Booker, put the top up, man. Don't get sunburned before oh, you come out to Orlando, you know? But go into those tiny rooms and being in that self-isolation for the next four or five days, that's what's going to be really interesting. That's, you know, now it's all starting to set in. And it will be interesting to see if we see a little bit more activity on social media from these players as they go into this bubble. Kind of been overlooked, but uh, James Jones is correct. It's going to be tough. But I always had the saying where I think they're going to like kind of ease off a little bit. I think for these players, I know there's the rules implemented and all that, but I think the players will have more access to things than what we're than what we're seeing. Like you find out how you know all the baseball players in the MLB we're playing like sandlot games. We had no idea. It's just things like that. We're, yeah. we're not going to be able to see it. So they'll be able to do what they want. I feel like as they please so that they don't go insane. Well, it'll be interesting because the eyes of the world are upon them. This isn't the basketball tournament that was happening in uh, Ohio this past week where yeah. you didn't even know it was really going on and that they were putting all these protocols into place. Like everybody's watching the NBA to see how they react. And in the same token, if they are posting these things on social media, you know, what's the reaction going to be? Is it going to be visceral or is it going to be, you know, 
uh, uh, people applauding what they're doing. We don't know yet because we really haven't seen it, but it is something to keep an eye out for over the, especially the, this next like five days is will we see any posts or any insight that, okay, yeah, they're supposed to be in the room, but they're not, they're down at Booker's room and it's him and Mikel and they're on there playing call of duty. And it's not something you're going to necessarily see somebody post a Snapchat about, but if you go on a Twitch account or you log on to Call of Duty, you might see him in there. Mikhail, I mean, we just don't know yet. Yeah, we and don't it's, know. It, it's going to be interesting to see how people respond to if it's occurring and whether or not it will actually occur. If they're yeah. actually going to go by that letter of the law. Because I agree with you. I think that they should or they will naturally just kind of be a little bit more relaxed once they, once they get there. It's like, hey, even to get here, we had a test negative twice just to get on the plane to Orlando. Mm-hmm. And now that we're here, we have to get two more negative tests. And it's just, what's the turnaround time thing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, the There's logistics a, is just ridiculous. It is. It's and well, kudos to the, the place, NBA. So, yeah. Exactly. They did a great job. I mean, they couldn't have done any better. I don't think, uh, even having the courts and everything took it in there or taken in there to, uh, have set up mm-hmm. for practice and all that. It just looks so cool. And so laid out. Like they just really sketched everything out beautifully. I think um, and we're still three weeks away from them even playing. We was, are. Yeah. So there's, they're ahead of schedule. They're doing things the right way. Uh, uh-huh. Again, applaud the NBA on that. One thing that was interesting was the fact that James Jones informed the media that not all of the team is going to be showing up today. He said, and we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, happy hump day to those of you listening on Wednesday, but that's when we're recording it. This is when they took up or took off for Orlando. But he said, logistically, they're still trying to figure out their schedule. They have players traveling at a later date at some point. Who those players are, they haven't determined yet. So we don't even know everybody who's even, you know, have boots on the ground right now. We don't know everybody who's in Orlando right now. Again, it's just trying to figure out those mm-hmm. logistics for the team. Uh, but what was also interesting in that call with the media was like the bubble comeback for Kelly Oubre. You want to talk yeah. about this a little bit? Yeah, so it's still kind of up in the air, right? Like, yeah. what what exactly are they talking about? Because I think, like, him actually giving getting healthy is the biggest thing. But if he is healthy, he has a chance to come back and play. Yeah, and it, James Jones kind of said that. He said, despite all the challenges, we have a group of uh, that's excited to be a part of the Phoenix franchise. That speaks volume because I can't say that was true about in the past. And he's talked about this buzz that the team has around – going to Orlando. All of a sudden, everybody's really excited about it, right? Yeah. And part of that in his speaking with the media is he said potentially that Kelly Oubre could be back in playing shape before Orlando ends. Now, that's not necessarily him mm. saying that he is going to play, but he could be in playing shape. He is going there with the team. And here's my one question to you. Uh-huh. Shams reported that Kelly Oubre was going to be sitting out Orlando. Did anyone on the team confirm that? Like, I never heard I Kelly Oubre say that. I never heard James Jones or Monty Williams say, no, Kelly's not playing. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, Shams, Woj, these guys, for the most part, put out information that we, t- we take as truth. But do we hear from anyone as- actually within the organization? Not that I remember, no. Uh, maybe Gambo confirmed it or not. I don't know. I don't listen to the radio too much right now. But did he confirm it? Because I, I know once Gambo I don't recall. confirms it. Yeah, so I don't even know if it's true or not. But – the other question is, if he, if the Suns do do well and they have a chance for the play-in tournament, do you think that he would come back? Because then you don't really want to ruin the chemistry, but also you don't want to have Ubre come back and come off the bench or something like that to hurt his, I don't know, hurt his momentum until next year. I don't know, how, how would we handle that if we actually do make a... That's a great question. I mean, you want to put your most talented players out there if by some miracle of God they run the table 
and the right teams lose and they get into that playoff tournament, yeah, you don't want to break the momentum up. Maybe you have Kelly come in if he's healthy enough to play and get some bench minutes, but I don't know if it's worth it in the long run because the more I think about it, the more I – I'm really thinking the Suns are going to trade Kelly in this offseason. I really do. To me, it just makes too much sense to. So why would he risk a potential paycheck? And why would the Suns risk an asset that they could probably sell high on going into this offseason? No, you're exactly right. It just doesn't Um, make sense. It doesn't make sense. So for him to sit out was 100% what I thought was going to happen. So Mm -hmm. when that news was released, I feel like it was just confirmed by everybody that it was true because everyone was thinking it. So yeah. I guess for some like a coach or a player to come out and say like you know that's that's the truth we don't you know just to confirm it didn't need to happen I don't think it really needed to happen at all I think we just all assumed it so when it came out we believed it to James Jones credit he's not really somebody who talks in vague terms you know he, I mean he again he stated that the ultimate goal would be to get Kelly Oubre Jr back in a playing shape before Orlando ends yeah. that's not him saying where he's going to play it, that's him saying, hey, we want him back in playing shape before Orlando ends. He's going to be with the team. He's going to have an opportunity to rehab with the team. So maybe we can get him in playing shape. Are we going to use him? I mean, we don't know. But again, that's just kind of that little turn on words where you're just like, okay, okay, what? And Uh (laughs) so you're not saying no. So, I mean, that's where all of a sudden all the Suns fans are like, hey, Kelly might play. And and it got me thinking. I'm like, well, I never really heard him say he wasn't going to play. So who knows? I mean, maybe he shows up there and he's so bored out of his brain he wants to play. But again, I think it's in the best interest of both Kelly Oubre and the Phoenix Suns if he just sits out at this point. They are a miracle away from getting to the playoffs. Why chance it? Yeah. Well, the time you would chance is if they did make the playoffs. Exactly. (laughs) That wouldn't happen. If they actually get in the playoffs and it's not just for a play-in tournament game, I say – yeah, at that point, you want to take the training wheels on. Now you have an opportunity to progress the uh-huh. franchise, you know, whether it be, yeah. you know, get play the Lakers and somehow beat them in a magical Plus he would fate. he would want to be part of that. He would definitely want to play automatically, but maybe not just because he believes in his teammates and he just thinks like, you guys got here, you guys can take us as far as you can. Because he wouldn't, I don't think he would be the guy to step on anybody's toes, uh, any player's toes at that to take their spot or take their minutes. So it's it's weird now. <laughs> I was I was kind of like just happy to know it was 100% he's out, but yeah. now knowing it's like, it makes it more confusing. So why did you say anything, James? <laughs> why did you answer it that way? Why why did you answer it in that way exactly? Yes. Well, but again, super excited the Suns, at least half the team that we kind of know of uh, are officially in Orlando. The rest should join a little bit later. Uh-huh. And I believe next week is when they're going to start doing uh the scrimmages. Uh, I think it's july 13th so it's six days from the time that we're recording this is when they're going to start their full team workouts so again i mean it's 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 all happening it is a lot of photos a lot of videos i'm excited yeah. to see some of those photos yeah well <laughs> here's one thing i'm not excited about and that is bleacher reports ranking the nba's top 15 point guards this season So essentially what the Bleacher Report is doing this week is every day, Monday through Friday, is they're releasing a different position in the NBA, and then they're ranking the top 15 of each position. And essentially what they're doing is they're saying, hey, we're going to take any player that has played over 500 minutes, and they're eligible for this. So that kind of gets rid of, like, Steph Curry, for example. Steph Curry, we know, is a 
number one or number two or number three point guard in the NBA, but this season he's not because he hasn't played. And Andrew Bailey and Dan uh, Favel of Bleacher Report put this together, and they released on Monday their top 15. Yeah. And Rubio wasn't ranked. No, he wasn't. What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm kind of um, 50-50 on this. I, I believe he should be top 15, definitely. And I bet you you can see two or three names on here that probably shouldn't be mm-hmm. in the top 15 this year. Um, who, When looking at this, who first would you just throw out of here? Out of the top 15. Well, well, first let's go through the list for the, anyone who hasn't um, read this on Bleacher Report. Number one is Luka Doncic. Number two, Damian Lillard. Number three, Chris Paul. Number four, Ben Simmons. Number five, Kyrie Irving. Number six, Kyle Lowry. Number seven, Russell Westbrook. Number eight, Trey Young. Number nine, Kemba Walker. Number 10, John Morant. Number 11, De'Aaron Fox. Number 12, Eric Bledsoe. Number 13, Fred Van Vliet. Number 14, D'Angelo Russell. And number 15, Spencer Dinwiddie. So there's your list of top 15 point guards in the NBA per Bleacher Report. So who would I, the question is, who would I take off the list? Well, there's a couple guys, in my opinion, that I would take off automatically just because they don't really qualify, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You look at Spencer Dinwiddie. He played more time as a two guard this season than he did a point guard. You look at Fred Van Vliet, same thing because Kyle Lowry plays the point on that team. Van Vliet gets a lot of uh, two guard time. He's played 46% of his plays as the point guard this season and 54% as a shooting guard. So in my opinion, those guys, you'd qualify them as shooting guards before you qualify them as point guards. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're totally right. And a lot of these players, too, like they're a mix between one and two guards. So, yes. very strange. Yes. And then I look at like Kyrie Irving. He qualifies for the 500 minutes, but he only played in 20 games this season. And the Nets were 8 and 12 in those games. So, Kyrie Irving this season, I, in my opinion, is not the number five point guard in the league. I'd probably put him in the top 15 because of the talent he has, but he hasn't played to anywhere near a top five designation. So I, I, found, I feel that was kind of, a, kind of a slap in the face to Rubio. You know, if, if yeah. I could, I would put Rubio probably ahead of D'Angelo Russell because, again, Russell's kind of those, one of those one-guard, two-guard guys. But I just feel like, you know, Rubio has he, – he's earned it. You know, you look at his scoring, for example. Ricky Rubio, we know, is not a, a scoring guy. That's not his strength. If you take all of the eligible point guards – in this category, there's 60 point guards who've played 500 minutes or more. There's actually 61 because, like, basketball reference says LeBron's a point guard, but we know he's not. So there's 60 point guards. Ricky's point per game, 23rd. His field goal percentage, 44th out of 60. His three-point percentage, 37th out of 50. So, I mean, you know. I mean, t- talk about off- Ricky Rubio's offensive game. Is he top 15 offensively? Hell no. Hell no. But – He's second in the category behind only Trey Young in assists per game at 8.9. Out of the top six assist guys in the category, he's the only one who doesn't make it into this this list. And, you know, that's only what point guards do is distribute the ball. His defense is actually better than I thought, you know, for the point guard position. He's eighth in steals per game with 1.5. He's 13th in uh, uh, steal percentage at 2.3%. And you look at like John Morant, he's 31st and 45th. So win shares, he's high on win shares. 
Uh, Trey Young out of the 60 players is 53rd. Ricky Rubio's 15th. Defensive win share. I mean, there's all these little kind of like analytic stats are why I think that he should kind of be in there. Am I am I wrong? No, you're you're totally right. And there's two things when it comes to a point guard what I look for is leadership and playmaking assist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Rubio definitely check marks both of those. So if you go through the list, I'm just looking at guys that maybe don't check mark those. Um, I don't think Bledsoe is a guy that is a leader on the team. He's just Agreed. a basic he, – he'll probably be on the, one of the all-defensive teams, of course. Um, but besides that, like, he's not really a leader on the team at, at all. I don't think at all. Like, he just is basically there to fill a spot. I mean, his defense I always think was overrated. But besides that, D'Angelo Russell, he was on the, the Golden State Warriors the whole year. And that was, one, that was the worst team of the, of the, in the league. And then all of a sudden he gets traded. You don't really see much of him in Minnesota. But another horrible really team. <laughs> exactly. But like, and then Dinwiddie, I love Dinwiddie. I think he's good. And he's like a honorable mention for what the Suns might have gotten back then uh, yeah. before Rubio. Um, so there's like three or four names on here where I think Rubio would be above. Um, but then you also have the people that think of Rubio as still maybe like a, um, not a backup point guard, but someone that won't play the full 40 minutes. Someone that would maybe just play 30 minutes a game, which he should, and him and point him and point book would split it up now. I think they split up the minutes pretty good now because whenever he's out, you can have book play point. And also the other thing with this, like I said, it's a mix between one and two guards. Like you don't have the pure point guards anymore. Even Doncic, that's a point guard. He's six. He's like almost the size of DeAndre Ayton playing yeah. point guard. Yeah. Uh, Chris Paul is probably the almost the most solid point guard on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, you can put anybody on this top fifteen. I believe in the NBA that's starting at the two guard and even in starting at a point guard. Even Russell Westbrook too, as well. Well, you almost want to just say, "Hey, here's the top thirty guards in the league." Versus point yeah. guard and shooting guard. Like the way they because, do the all-star game. Yeah, because oh, the, versa- so the versatility is is too much in the NBA. But, I mean, by playing by Bleacher Report's rules, they said point guard. And some of these guys don't qualify, in my opinion. And I think it comes down to the fact that Ricky Rubio is just not a sexy player. You know, he's, just, he's not making sexy the... Sexy man, but not He's a sexy player. man, but he's not a sexy player. He's not making the flashy nutmegs or the behind-the-back passes or hitting 35-foot three-pointers. He's just kind of getting the job done. And here's one thing I actually broke down as well. I took 2020 wins, 2020 games played, and then I looked at these players' game, number of wins through the same number of games played last year. Now, granted, we know there's a lot of X factors in there. Who do they draft? Who do they trade for? Yada, yada, yada. But point guard, I feel like you hold the ball the most – you do have some, the greatest opportunity to have an effect on your team. And here's who, – who do you think leads in total wins year over year on this list? Uh, would it be Lillard? No, Lillard's the worst because his oh, team th- – through 66 games last year, Lillard and the uh, Portion Trailblazers had 40 wins. This year they have 29. Oh, okay. Yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, kind of. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> so Doncic. Doncic, they had 27 wins last year. They have 40 this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John Morant, the Grizzlies had 25 wins through 65 games last year. Mm-hmm. They have 32 wins through 65 games this year. The worst on this list is D'Lo. But that's, you know, it, that's kind of tough because he played for the Warriors. I counted it for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But Doncic yeah. has 13 more wins than this time last year. Okay. And you, go, you go down the list. Dinwiddie, negative two. Russell, negative 10. Van Vliet 
and uh, Kyle Lowry, zero. They have the same exact record through the same amount of games this time last year. Uh, Bledsoe's plus four, Fox is minus four, uh, Walker's plus five, Young is minus two, Westbrook's only one up, uh, Simmons is negative one, CP3 is uh, plus one, Ricky Rubio's plus 12, which is one behind Doncic. And the whole reason I went through that exercise is just to kind of showcase Rubio does have a profound effect on this team. I know there's win shares and defensive win shares and things of that nature, all of which uh, Ricky Rubio from a point guard perspective has done a fantastic job of this year. And he's in Mm -hmm. the top 15 in those things. But you look at just like total wins year over year and Ricky Rubio, the addition of Ricky Rubio has greatly assisted this team. And I just don't know why he doesn't get the credit for it. Because you're thinking, okay, well, they're only going to put guys who win on this list. Well, six of these guys are on teams that are under 500, so you can't play that game. I just don't – and I know I'm spending way too much time on it, but I I just don't understand how Ricky Rubio just doesn't get the love. And we talked about this a couple podcasts ago. It's like, is he underrated, overrated, or properly rated? And we both kind of concurred that he's properly rated. But even – I asked the same question to our fans on Reddit, and uh, currently we have 104 votes – 49 say yes, 55 say no. So we're all kind of in the middle. Like, who should he be on this list? Yes and no. We're all kind of in the middle on Ricky, but I just I think that he should uh, get a little bit more credit for the job that he's done in Phoenix this season. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but yeah, let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> rant over. Well, in the same uh, breath, they also released their top 15 shooting guards earlier today, and Devin Booker, rightfully so, is number five on this list. Do you feel like that is correct? Um, the only thing I would probably maybe fight against for this one would be um, Booker moving to number four over Drew okay. Holiday, right? I would actually say he's number four because if their top five is Booker five, Drew Holiday four, Bradley Bill three, Paul George two, James Harden one. The only yeah. thing I would change there is Paul George is not a fucking shooting guard. He played <laughs> – I, I went through and I looked at his percentages going back to his rookie season. His rookie season, mm-hmm. 90% of the time he played shooting guard. Every season after that, 0 0%, 0%, 11%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 19%, 0%, and 1% this year. So, yeah. I mean, what, what's he doing on this list? Like, he's a forward. He's, I mean, so just by that token alone, Booker is a top four shooting guard. And then technically, yeah, I feel like – I feel like he could go above Drew Holiday. I feel like the only thing going against him is every player you talk to says that Drew Holiday is the most underrated player in the mm-hmm. NBA. So that's the only th- thing against that. Yeah, I would think that too. Uh, I mean, he's only made the All-Star game once, but his numbers are pretty good. I mean, he's yeah, – this. the thing is, though, with these two guards, I know you're talking about Paul George being at number two. Like, why the hell is he there? Yeah. It's very strange. But also, too, a lot of these two guards are – kind of just like their ones and you can make like james harden like if you were to ask me is james harden a point guard or a shooting guard i'd be like point guard yeah right when did you think he's a point guard yes like beal and booker are the two best shooting guards in the Mm -hmm. league right now they are and then clay thompson when he comes back he's he's number one i think he's number one beal number two booker number three that's the way it should go you have sga in here which is kind of strange i feel like he would be a point guard with the phoenix suns if they were to draft him mm-hmm. but of course he's playing alongside chris paul but also too on here marcus smart i know like the suns wanted him to play point too but he's playing a lot of two guard minutes but i feel like he was always a point guard but this year you can kind of see him being a two guard but um, they have jalen brown so so yeah number, they do number 11 on the list is marcus smart from the boston celtics yeah number six on the list is jalen brown from the boston celtics it's like okay so they 
again, it, it, they should have just done all guards. I understand what they are trying to do. I get it. But it's, I mean, it's fun because it creates interesting debate and fodder. But the list is bullshit. I mean, SGA's a one, in my opinion. Smart's a one, in my opinion. And to your point, James Harden's a one, in my opinion. Paul George yeah. is a four. So yeah. the way they should do these lists is like just ask each other, okay, this player, what do you think he plays? And then go off of that. Because you know who the, what positions these guys play if you list them off. Or you just go through basketball reference where they have the percentage of <laughs> yeah. what the guys play. And then based on that, you can go, oh, okay. They are the majority of the time, anything that's over 51% is going to be designated as that person's position this year. Because again, they're just doing it for this year. They're not doing it for the totality of the player's career. We're just yeah. trying to figure out who the best guys are this season because they're trying to do that as we go back into the bubble and get everybody excited for the season. It's like, Hey, remember these are the guys that have been playing very well this year. You look at James guard or James Harden. 1% of his time is considered a point guard. 40% of his time is considered a point uh, shooting guard. 55% of his time is considered a small forward. Oh, really? Well, yeah. yeah. In that system, right? Exactly. Cause the system's yeah. funky. So yeah. he technically would call, qualify as a small forward if they were to stick to the same format. It's like, you have rules, stick to those rules, and then it'll just – it's easier to defend it. Yeah, Harden's a, Harden's a point guard, though. We know. But, again, I like the fact that uh, Dem Booker's getting recognition on a national level, whereas Rubio's not, Booker is. Do you think he has any shot to being named to the All-NBA third team? I think it's a slim chance. And this is something that after he was selected to the All-Star game this year – or, you know, came into the back door on that one. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, maybe he has a chance since he didn't get selected before he actually came in or before he actually got the nod. I was thinking, well, now he has a chance to make third team. So I was thinking it before he actually kind of went down the hill, you know, midway through after he didn't get selected, he got kind of down on himself. Before yeah. that, I was like, he has a chance to be third team. After that, I'm not too sure. Um, I believe he should be. Him and Bradley Beal probably can fight that out. But then again, I think Bradley Beal is a, is a better two-guard, better all-around player than what Booker is. Booker is close to what Bradley Beal brings to his team. Mm-hmm. But I, just, I think Booker, he has a slim chance, if any. He does. And I had somebody ask me the other day, well, could he solidify his all-NBA status in Orlando? Probably not. Even if he goes out there and goes crazy, I don't think that the totality of the season is going to be affected by those eight games. You know, if he comes out and scores 40 points a game, maybe because it'll be recency bias. But I think for the most part, what's done is done. These are playing games. These are, let's get back in shape. You know, hey, Suns, thank you admirably for going to Orlando, being the punchy back for some of these Easter Conference teams as they prepare for the playoffs. So I don't think that anything he's going to do there will really affect that. But I do think to your, you know, I'll, I'll agree with you. There's an outside, a very slim chance that he gets an All-NBA third team. There's a great chance that moving forward, he could get that All-NBA second or third team in the next couple season if he, seasons if he continues to excel and mature at the rate he did this year. But also going to the future, I just wanted to ask, do you think he will ever become the number one shooting guard in the league? Or if that, do you think he'll ever take over as the point guard for the Phoenix Suns? Uh, Point guard for the Phoenix Suns, I don't think so, and I kind of hope not. I don't mind point book at times, but I think that him running point all the time is something that's not going to be 
productive for the Suns and result in wins. I just think that he's somebody who is better when he has a Rubio next to him and a good distributor and somebody who can get him the ball in space and he can just shoot. I think that – and just looking at this list, you can see that the two-guard position isn't nearly as deep as – the one guard position. It never is. It never it is. It never is. So there's a lot of opportunity for him to be the best two guard in this league by desi- by definition, based on the stats he's putting up. He just got to win a little bit more. I mean, he he gets yeah. the Suns to the playoffs and they win a series. All of a sudden, Booker's going to be in that top two or three talk. You win two or three series, hell, you get to a Western Conference Finals. All of a sudden, you're the number one two guard yeah. in the league. You know, and I think that. He has the promise. So how old is he? 22? 23. 23 now? Yeah. I mean, he's just he's still so young. And we still have so much uh, more opportunity with him in the future to see what he's going to do. And he's going to continue to develop into yeah. a great player. So I think that he's going to be – he has the potential to be the best two-guard in the league. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. And I think the only way maybe in the next two years for him in the past – every other two guard would be Clay Thompson comes back and just isn't the same guy because of injury because Clay Thompson is my number one, number two. So if you pass that guy, then you're the best. Unless someone else comes in the league. Well, I also think with Clay Thompson that eventually that system is going to move on and that's where Clay Thompson will stop being productive. If Dev Booker was in that system, I feel like he'd be the top two guard. Yeah, he, he could spend more energy playing defense because he knows he's got so many weapons around him. Because that's, that's what Clay Thompson does. He focuses so much energy on defense and locks down guys because he can. And yeah. then all he does is come off screens. I mean, what he scored twenty-seven points in one quarter once and dribbled the ball five times. Uh, he's not asked to do anything but just shoot when he's wide open. So he's a. I, I'll, I'm not taking anything away from Clay. He is a fantastic two guard, probably the best in the league. But he's also the product of a system that's allowed him to be so. And Devin Booker has had to have I – mean, I mean, I was looking at some stats on him today about how many hands in the face he gets. He gets double teamed more than anybody. I mean, he's the, yeah. the entire offense, so he gets harassed more than anybody. You put two more guys around Booker who are offensive threats, starting with DeAndre Ayton and then add maybe another wing or a point guard who's like one of these prototypical point guards who's getting all the love in the pub for being an offensive point guard – and Booker's game will just go to a whole nother level. Yeah, and just really quick, I think his playmaking is still underrated. I think we never really talk about it too much, but he has that over Klay Thompson. Klay Thompson's a better defender because mm-hmm. he's just bigger. Booker is a smaller two-guard. I don't think he's as big as Klay. He'll probably never fill out to be as big as him, and I think that hurts him on the defensive end. I don't think he's as athletic as Klay Thompson. Uh, so that hurts him on the defensive end, but he has the playmaking ability and the shooting, of course, to make him the best in the league. No, completely agree. Completely agree. Looking forward again to seeing what he's doing uh, in Orlando because I think he can really shock the world. Yes. If he he wants to, you know. And this is the same thing that happened right around that All-Star break when he got denied and Chris Paul was kind of the last guy in and then they played Chris Paul. That was the opportunity for Devin Booker to go, you know what? They made a mistake and he didn't step up. I'm hoping he steps up during these eight games in Orlando. I hope so too. All right, good night. Oh, yeah, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking, speaking of Orlando, uh, news broke today that Bradley Beal is going to sit out the NBA restart due to shoulder surgery. That's actually the Suns' yeah. first opponent. So that's a, that's a good sign for the Suns. No Bertans, no Beal. That is perfect, right? Yeah, all their offense is gone. Easy if money. We, if we lose that game, it's going to be very frustrating. <laughs> very, very if we, frustrating. Yeah, if we lose it, then I'm done with this podcast and done with basketball. <laughs> 
Oh man, I'm gonna have to find somebody else whose name starts with an M. For oh, jam. You just, yeah, you could. I'll That's just replace you. All right, we're taking applications. If you go to sunsjamsession.com <laughs> and your name starts with an M, you could be on the podcast. Matt Murdock. <laughs> Matt Murdock. Isn't that uh, Daredevil? Is that? Yeah, that is Daredevil. Bam, look at that. Oh, look at that. Good pulled job. That, pulled that one out of my ass. <laughs> and speaking of pulling things out of their asses, uh, I saw this the other day and I just thought it was funny, so I thought I'd share it with the Jamster faithful. And this is from Zin Varlock on Twitter. And he said, just found an unexpected stat. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Luka Doncic shot a combined 0-8 and and turned the ball over seven times when guarded by Cam Johnson. Boom, there you go. Cam Johnson needs to guard all the top guys in the league because he can shut them down. It really doesn't get better than that, right? (laughs) You couldn't do much more than – I wonder how many minutes that was, though, too, on those guys. It had to have been like two minutes combined, right? Well, the seven – Turned it over seven times? Yeah. What is that about? Oh, and eight and turned it How over seven times. I don't know. Cam Johnson's just a pesky son of a bitch. I guess that is so weird. I bet you that's the only seven turnovers he forced all year, right? <laughs> I did not remember him on the defensive end. No, me neither. Not, not at all. Not saying he doesn't have potential, just saying I don't remember. So I don't know. This is a little weird. <laughs> I don't know if I believe it. Well, yeah, he said he'd dig up the tape and post a short thread later. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't follow up on that. I just thought right. it, it, it's probably fake news, but I thought it was probably. funny. <laughs> probably, probably right. Um, one thing I did want to talk about, not Suns related, but going on in the world right now is the calling for the rename of the Washington Redskins. And I don't know what your point of view on this is, but I'm somebody who has never understood why Washington didn't change their name a long, long, long time ago. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, they used to be the Washington Bullets, and people found that too offensive, so they changed it to the Washington Wizards in, like, the 90s, and like, the late 90s. And the Redskins, like, I don't know if it gets more racist than that. I mean, that is blatantly offensive. And <laughs> there's been a lot of talk recently about, you know, should they change the name? Shouldn't they? Nike's come down on them. FedEx, who uh, is their sponsor at FedEx Field, they've kind of come down on them. And I don't really want to go into the whole political side of it, but what I do want to talk about is what Arizona Sports posted, and that was the odds on the new team name for the Redskins if they choose to go down that path. So here are the odds. They have the Trumps. At 501, I don't think that one will. That's what I was laughing about earlier. Not the whole situation, but I saw Trump's at the bottom. Yeah, Trump's 500 (laughs) to 1. The Snowflakes, 500 to 1. The Hogs, 50 to 1. I actually kind of like that because that's what the Washington Redskins, like, loyal fan base is the Hogs. They dress up as, like, pigs for some weird reason. Uh, 50 to 1. So, hey, if you got 10 bucks, go throw it down on that. The Arlington's at 25 to 1. The Renegades at 22 to 1. And I actually heard somebody talking today about how that might be a potential uh, suitor right there. So that might be a good one to bet on. The Jeffersons at 20 to 1. The Red Hawks at 15 to 1. The Roosevelt's at 12 to 1. The Kings at 12 to 1. Monuments 10 to 1. Memorials 10 to 1. Americans 10 to 1. Capitals 9 to 1. Isn't the Washington Capitals, is that? Is that that's a hockey our hockey team? team. Yeah, that's our hockey team. Yeah, make that 500 to 1. They're not going to do that. Yeah. The, the veterans at 8 to 1. That's that'd be kind of a cool one just because it's in Washington. The NFL already has a relationship with uh like the USO and the United States military. It that might actually work and then they could donate money for merchandise sold or something like that. The Lincolns, the presidents, the generals and then coming at number 1 
at three to one is the red tails. Do any of those jump out at you? Do you give a shit? You're a Cowboys fan, so you hate the, the team from Washington anyways. What do you want them to be called? Oh, man. You know, they should have changed their name a long time ago. Of course, it just has to do with money. Now that they're not going to get any money, they will change it. But the ones I like the most, I like the monuments. I think that sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Renegades kind of sounds like arena football. So I'm not yeah. too sure about that. You know what I mean? Like they'll have like bright green uniforms. Um, I like I like the veterans. Just call them the vets. You know, yes. that'd be kind of cool. And uh, the Washington vets. Yeah, generals is always good. Um, I the red tails is kind of weird. If you're gonna do red again, I don't. I want to do red just because people would think of the old name. So well, and I think that red tails is kind of, and I think the reason it's probably three to one is it's probably the easiest to like keep the same colors, keep a logo that's very similar. Like they used to okay. have like the R for the Redskins. Yeah, which is the feathers. Yeah, the feathers. Yeah. I don't know if you can maybe red red tails because like a red tail is a bird, so maybe it's like bird feathers. Oh, there you go. Okay, you know, so I mean, maybe they go that route. So I can see red tails. I don't know if I necessarily like it, but yeah, I don't know. What do you like any of these at all? I think vets is probably my favorite. Like, yeah, the, I like the the, vets the Washington one. veterans. I think it's it's a good pivot for them. They, have, they can you know take a really shitty situation for that franchise than the publicity that they're receiving and have received for years and years and years and have yeah. been too proud to change. And they exactly. can turn, they can turn it into something really positive. And I think it'd be a smart move for them to do that, but I don't give a shit. It's Washington. And that's the other thing I don't understand. It's like, <laughs> yeah. this is our nation's capital and you've like such a horrible name for your football team. It's so bad. And you were the bullets. Like, yeah. like what the hell, man? How does, how do they get away with this crud? Yeah, I don't know, but um, I they should change it by this year. I would I would say so, especially if they're not going to be selling any merch. So, well, and Ron Rivera was saying that he had two favorites and that they were hoping to have it done by before the season starts, which I think really would be okay, fantastic. good, yeah. See, that's everything's speeding up now with all this uh, racist nonsense. You know, it's all coming quick, and a lot of things are changing so. And quickly they're changing, which is huge. Yeah, that's, they're actually making a move, so that's great. I love it. Uh, yeah. Major League Baseball released their schedule yesterday. And no one cared. So next on the list, <laughs> I saw it came out. I don't give a shit. I'm you sorry. You know what? I did too. And I, I exited out and I forgot to go back. I'm not, I totally but I'm not going to go back. Gonna go back. back. Like, I mean, you know, it's just like, oh, Yankees are up to, up, up to, up to bat, you know? Who cares? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Let's I'll, just watch the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you're a Yankees fan. I'm a Dodgers fan. So nobody <laughs> likes us to begin with. No. Uh, and they're playing in their own division. And then the Eastern division for – the Yankees and the, the AL yeah. West, the NL West. I mean, like, I don't care. Like, I'm so turned off to baseball right now. I'm so excited for basketball. I'm so turned off to baseball. Yeah. They could have been playing for a month already and safely, safely playing for a month already. The squabble, I'm like, you know what? I'm sure when it starts up, I think it's the 23rd or the uh-huh. 25th or something. I'll tune in and I'll watch it a little bit. But in my opinion, like. It's over. They had their chance. It's over. Mm-hmm. Move over. And it's move over. over. Move over, it's over. Well, I think it wouldn't be uh, a podcast on the Suns Jam Session unless we talked about the Dumb Trade of the Week. And, of course, everybody's been talking about the Knicks. Knicks, Knicks, Knicks. You know, Devin Booker's going to be a Nick. And I saw another dumb trade that I thought I'd run by you and see if what you thought. Uh, the Knicks would receive Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio. Mm-hmm. The Suns would release the first round would 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 receive the first round pick from the New York Knicks next season, 
a second round pick this season, Julius Randle, Dennis Smith Jr. and Kevin Knox. Yeah. Garbage. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would never give up even Rubio for this. Yeah. I mean, we did get, we did we just sit? I'm sorry. Did we say who the Suns are giving up on this? Yeah, <laughs> do, Rubio oh, okay. and Rubio and Booker. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, okay. Yeah, it's the same. It's all the New York media is talking about right now. They're trying to create that narrative we've talked about before. So I'm not uh-huh. going to go down that route too long. But I mean, they're just they clearly love Booker, and now they're even throwing yeah. Rubio in there. So How, don't they know he loves driving? Where the hell can you drive in New York? Like, Nowhere. I mean, unless you get out of New York and drive somewhere else, but he likes to drive. He likes to cruise. Yeah, he, he likes to cruise anything. in those old Chevys, man. You can't yeah. do that in New York. It's no, too you cold. can't. It's, you, the traffic's horrible. It's too much traffic. You just go one mile an hour. That's not fun. Yeah, that's not so, cruising. That's no. sitting. New York is out. Yeah, all right. I just, I, no more of these trades with the Knicks. We're tired of hearing them. And I, the only people who believe them are – the people in the New York Knicks uh, front office who yeah. want it to happen, but it ain't going to happen. All right. But then again, if it happens, I want to be surprised. But no, don't, 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 don't <laughs> I, say I this, say that man. Every time after one of these trades, I got to say that. Oh, I know. So when it happens, don't you're like, hey, surprised. Man, on the episode 61 podcast, I told yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we do, exactly. have some, uh, we do have some mailbag questions we want to get Mail to real quick. Bag. So thank you, Sons Jamsters. For emailing the show, session at gmail.com is where you can send these questions to us. You can also stop by sunsjamsession.com and fill out the form there to contact us as well. So our first question comes from Vladimir Babin, and he says, Would the Suns have won a championship if Kevin Garnett was traded to Phoenix for Sean Marion back in 2007? Oh, yeah, they would have. Just for Sean Marion? For sure, right? Yes. Yeah, but it was going to be Sean Marion and, and Amari. It wasn't going to be just Sean Marion. But, yeah, uh, for Sean Marion, definitely. We would have won one, maybe two championships. Yeah, if it was a straight-up trade, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I no feel. doubt. Boston won it the next year in 2008 with Kevin Garnett after he was yeah. traded from Minnesota. But the, the, uh, the Celtics gave up, like, everything to get him there. Mm-hmm. And it paid off for him. You know, if it was a straight-up trade, absolutely. That wasn't the deal back in 07. If we had Amari uh, and Marion gone to Minnesota and if Garnett had come here, I do like our odds in the next three-year window of winning the championship. I don't know if they would have won it that yeah. next year. But, I mean, it would have been fun to see. It's always fun to wonder what, if, uh, what would have happened if Kevin Garnett was a member of the Suns. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure he would have wanted to see that too. But he got what he wanted in Boston and uh... – Good for that, him. Let's got just that get, ring. Yeah. I can't wait for this question again next month. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next. Well, thankfully, uh, we're going to be going into the draft so we can tell everybody to trade the pick again. Yeah. Um, who's This is, comes from Nash Porter. Who is the worst starting point guard the Suns have put next to Dem Booker in the last five years? Great question. This really good. Yeah. Mike James, <laughs> Isaiah Cannon, Tyler Eulis, and whoever else they might have paired him with. Who do you think is – the worst point guard the Suns have put next to Devin Booker. Man, Isaiah Cannon was really tough. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was one of the toughest guys to watch play. He was a tough he watch, was, man. Oh, the one, man. The one-man fast <laughs> oh. break killer, dude. Mike James had a spurt, and then once he just fused off, like he uh, basically like left. He wasn't even playing anymore. So I don't, I'm not too worried about him. Tyler Eulis, though, too, he was good coming back. In the, I mean, he was good coming as a backup. Him and uh, remember, um, 
Alan oh, Williams. Yeah, Alan Williams. Him and Alan Williams were so it, good together, but yeah. he never really played with Booker. But I'm going to go Isaiah. If we're just talking out of these three that I can remember, Isaiah Cannon for sure. Well, the Tyler Eulis and uh, Devin Booker were boys at Kentucky, so they yeah. got along well. It wasn't the worst thing that they put um, – next to Devin Booker in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you have other names like Alfred Payton, but he actually played pretty well alongside Devin Booker in his brief stint with the Suns. Mm-hmm. You have other guys like uh, Ronnie Price played a little bit. Of course, there's Eric Bledsoe. It's got to be, in my opinion, Isaiah Cannon. I just – I couldn't – he was just so hard to watch. He's the one guy who they'd be running the fast break. He'd be coming down the middle, down the center of the court, have two wings on his side, got one defender, and he would just stop. And let the entire defense come and then try to run a half-court set because he did not know how to put together a play. I mean, he couldn't run it. He didn't understand. He didn't have those basketball instincts. Ty Jerome is kind of hard to watch because you did see him a little bit with Booker this year. But, again, he's a rookie. So, I think out of the the current Suns, I think that the worst point guard next to him has been Ty Jerome just because, you know, no athletic ability, (laughs) Uh, decent court vision, you know, Hopefully a lot of promise. You know, he's six foot five. You got some size to him. So you hope that good things are going to happen from him. But I, at least he has court vision. I mean, Isaiah Cannon's court vision was like zero on NBA 2K. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't even know. Was he in 2K? I don't think so. Oh, I'm, I'm sure he was. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, don't so. I, I never played him, though. All right, we got one last, one last mailbag question today. This is coming from Harish, and he says, what do you guys think of this hypothetical Dame Lillard Suns trade? actually like this. Okay, so the Blazers trade Damian Lillard to the Suns. The Suns get Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, Mikel Bridges, 2021 first-rounder, 2022 first-rounder, 2024 first-rounder. It's a lot to give up, but Damian Damian Lillard is probably worth it. What do you think? You know, this took me a while to come up with the correct answer, and I would say there, no. There is no correct answer. Correct answer is no. Okay, and why? Well, for Blazers fans, no. It's just like us talking about the Devin Booker trade. It's not going to happen. Uh, but for this to happen, I mean, even if he was traded, I just wouldn't give up that much. I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't because he's older. Ricky Rubio, of course, is a little bit older, but he's still, I feel like, in his prime. Maybe Damian Lillard is, but I just – I don't – I don't want to take on that contract and stuff. I'm sorry, man. Well, I mean, it's it's a big contract. It's $29 million a year for the next six years. Uh, you know, you're giving up Kelly Oubre and Mikel Bridges, so you're giving up some of your wing depth. Clearly, you're giving up all your wing depth. Uh, I actually like this trade, though. Ricky Rubio is going to be gone in a couple years. Kelly Oubre is going to be gone at the end of next year. Uh, Mikel Bridges is going to be gone at the same time Ricky Rubio is, hypothetically. And you've got Dame Lillard locked down for six years. And he's a guy who I feel will age well in the NBA. Uh, He does have some injury issues currently, but I feel like him next to Devin Booker would be a dynamic duo for at least the next four seasons. And then from there you can readjust and, you know, either you're going to eat that contract or you can try to get your way out of it by trading around, moving your assets around. It would be tough to give up that many first round picks. That's three first rounders over the next five seasons. So that'd be pretty tough, but you're, Short-term greed versus long-term greed. I think the long-term greed is you're going to bring some success to this city and hopefully some vision that's going to bring in other people and it'll attract people seven years from now. You know, that's the one thing that really has fallen off with the Suns. I mean, we could always bring in new guys to the Suns 
lineup throughout the years because we had a great winning culture. And when you start losing, it's perpetual. And I feel like if we brought in Dame Lillard, even though we'd have to leverage half the house to do it, it's kind of like KG. KG going to Boston, they had to leverage half the house to get it. But you know what? They won a championship. They stayed relevant for the next three or four years. They fell off a little bit, but they're coming back. They came back strong about three or four years ago uh, because they were ran right, especially with Danny Ainge. And I feel like James Jones is a guy who could do it. So I like this trade. I know you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. This is like if the podcasts over on the, the, uh, the Blazers side, this would be their dumb trade of the week because it would never happen. I mean, there's no way that the Suns would no, be able to pull off this back. deal to get Damian Lillard. But if there was some way that we could get Dame on this team, it would be fantastic. I don't think Booker would want that. Booker wouldn't want Lillard on this team. I think Booker would. You don't think so? No, because he wants to be the backcourt. He doesn't. I don't think he wants. There would be so much attention taken away from Booker. I really think that's a true thing. But I think that Booker would be okay with that because that's going to allow him to be successful. I feel like part of the problem with Booker is all the pressure that's always been put on him, and he can't step up and always execute. And that's why I've said it before. He'll be a guy who's going to be the third best guy on a team. Yeah, I know. And this is the, that this would be the start of that. We need to put a superstar next to Devin Booker. And if he shines brighter than Devin Booker, Booker fine. Maybe that'll make him Booker even more competitive. I mean, you put Dame Lillard next to Devin Booker, and all of a sudden they're getting competitive on points per game. Booker will average 33 a game. I think it's a plus. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly think that Booker just wants to be the guy here, and I think that would take a lot away from him. And I think that he would also try to – maybe he can learn from Lillard, and, of course, Lillard is older, so maybe he would be gone in a couple of years and Booker would still be with the Suns, so that can help in that way. But I just – I don't see Booker wanting this to happen in Phoenix. I know, like, we see him as a number three guy. Yeah, but I someday. Just, I just don't think he sees himself as that yet. He still wants – the time to uh, prove that he is the best player on the team and like a top 10 player in the league. I hear you. I just disagree. I don't have the time though, right? <laughs> I'm getting older. <laughs> well, I did run this through the ESPN trade machine and it was successful. So, I mean, financially it would work. Will it ever happen? No. So, uh, well, that's it for our mailbag. Again, you can email us, sunsjamsession at gmail.com or visit the website, sunsjamsession.com. And that's pretty much it for this podcast. Again, you know, wheels are up. Suns are in Orlando. We're going to have plenty of, to talk about over this next month as we prepare for the season to restart on July 31st. Super excited for that. Uh, that's all I got to say. Thanks for listening. I'm going to go finish this Guilt Lifter beer. Thank you, everybody. This is Matthew Paul Lissy. Uh, go home and love your family. Amen. Amen.